right, good morning, church. Uh, thanks for being here today. And if I haven't met you, my name is Mitchell, and I'm a lead pastor here at Antioch. So thanks for being here. If you're brand new, stop by the uh, Next Steps after service. We'd love to connect with you and shake your hand. We got uh, two wonderful ladies up here that are going to actually share a, a couple things. Uh, Larry just mentioned the media fast that we're starting in about a week. And uh, we did one of these last year. And so Arden has a testimony that she's going to share. And then also Lindsay over here, we were, we were praying as a staff, uh, I guess it was last Monday or a couple weeks ago, and we were listening to God about what we felt like he was speaking over this media fast, and she has something encouraging that God brought to her heart to share with you guys as you're praying through and preparing to potentially jump into this thing. All right, so Arden, take it away. Share a testimony from last year. Um, so my testimony from last year um, is just the Lord has brought me on a journey with social media all throughout college and just like really revealing parts of my heart towards social media. And so I've done a media fast before, but the thing that really stuck out to me was just like doing it corporately as a body was really powerful and doing it with the people I was in life group with, doing it with people I'm in discipleship with and like the whole body was really something that the Lord spoke to me through. And so through like my roommate or through um, sermons, like the Lord like really just encouraged my heart. And so like one thing specifically, like I'd be spending time with God um, and he would highlight something and then I'd come to church on Sunday and it would be like in the sermon, something that the Lord highlighted to me about like the insecurity that had been brought up. And I was like, wow, like I felt encouraged, like, oh, I hear the voice of the Lord and he's speaking to my heart. But also like now I have more faith to walk out in obedience because of just this like confidence in it. Um, and specifically one time, one week I was spending time with God and he was like, Arden, I'm going to ask you to not get Instagram back after this fast. And I was like, oh, that <laughs> feels really big and like my like my heart was like I don't want to my mind was like how am I gonna I'm a college student like how am I gonna be in college and get to know people without social media it was like my first honest response and like even just like being like keeping up with people from back home I was like this doesn't make any sense um, and so I came to church on Sunday still like wrestling through what the Lord had asked me to do and um, Madeline was preaching that Sunday and she talked about seasons where she had completely deleted Instagram and like how the Lord had been faithful through that and I was like oh my goodness okay someone else has done it before me <laughs> I'm gonna do it <laughs> and so that was just like a big step of faith and like really encouraged my heart and so I haven't had Instagram like coming up on a year now after the, um, the media fast and just realizing <laughs> just realizing that it wasn't as big of a deal as I like thought it would be and I've seen the Lord be so faithful and seen like the fruit in my life because of not having social media and so I'm just like really encouraged that like as a body doing it really like impacted me and so we'll just invite everyone to do it this next week. Right. Come on give it up for Arden. Thank you Arden. <laughs> That's so encouraging and awesome and I'm just sitting over here just smiling because it's like you know, you start thinking, imagine a world without Instagram. <laughs> and if you're older than 30, that's just funny to you because <laughs> there used to be a world <laughs> before social media. And um, anyways, I, I love how God specifically speaks, you know, unique and uh, things to individuals when we jump in to do this. And, you know, God seemed to be doing something with Arden. And uh, he, he does something different with each, with each individual, which I love. And, uh, you know, we're... This fast is us taking a break from something. It's not us corporately saying, we hate this or we hate it. No, that's not what we're saying because uh, you're about to hear from Lindsay, who's our media director, who runs our Instagram. Uh, <laughs> you know, but it's like there's specific things that God highlights in different seasons that are so good for us. He, he's our shepherd. He cares for us. He leads us and guides us into uh, seasons of good fruit. And so 
just expectant for what God's going to do. But Lindsay, why don't you share specifically what you felt like God was going to do with us through this fast? Really quick, Anna, do you mind putting up the media fast slide real quick? Hey, I just want to give a shout out to Anna. She took time out of her Thursday to come take a bunch of really awesome photos. And she did an excellent job, and I'm really proud of her. So way to go, Anna. Tell her how awesome she is later. Oh, yeah, that's my arm. So <laughs> thanks. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> and my phone that I am throwing. So yeah. Anyways, um, <laughs> so yeah, on, like Mitchell said, on Monday last week, we were just praying as a staff, like, God, what do you want to do in this media fast? And I kind of got this picture in my mind of, like, all of the worries of my life or, like, our life as individuals, like, being so big in front of our eyes, like, oh my gosh, what about this? What about this? What about this? And then through this media fast, we kind of were, like, putting away, like, a lot of voices, like, other voices that are distracting or, like, feeding those insecurities, feeding those fears, and then all of a sudden, God just got really, really big. Not that those problems or fears didn't exist, but more so that God just became so much bigger to us in comparison to all of those things. And it was like, oh, I actually don't have to be that afraid of this thing because God is awesome and he's huge and he conquers all of my fear. And so it's just kind of as we like take a minute to like put aside all the other worries that are legitimate, we get to like experience how big God actually is in comparison to those things. And also just felt like he wanted to walk with us through this, that it's not like day one of the media fast, you're going to be like, yes, I feel like I'm so clear headed. Like this was so easy. Like it's going to feel uncomfortable, but in the process, like God wants to walk with us that it's experiential learning, you know, like he's not just like, hey, do this thing. And then you're like, okay, bet. And like, that's it. But it's more so of like, hey, I'm going to walk with you through this struggle. I'm going to walk with you in your uncomfortability and teach you what is the instead, what replaces this whole. It's not just like rip something out and then like feel awkward. You know what I mean? So that's what I felt like God said. All right, I'm going to have Lindsay uh, pray just a minute of that first part of just uh, as we get the distractions away that God would become so much bigger, more glorious to us through this fast. Yeah, Jesus, we just say thank you that you really are so much bigger than we could ever think or imagine. And we just want to know you more. God, just like pray, would you stir a hunger in all of our hearts just to know you more, God, that you would reveal yourself as a father, as a friend, as a comforter, as all of the amazing attributes that you are, Jesus, that we would cling to you more than we would cling to our fear, our own strength or anything else, God, but that we would just become a people that are really dependent on you because we know, we know, we know that you're trustworthy and that you're faithful to us and you care for us deeply. And so, God, I just pray as we put away all these other voices, would you just grow? Would you become so big and would you blow us away with how, how m real you are and how big you are to us, God? We love you and we trust you. Amen. Amen. Give it up for Lindsay one more time. Thank you. Thanks, Lindsay. All right, hey, if you got a Bible, go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 24, Matthew 24. If you have um, not been with us, then let me uh, give you a little bit of a recap. This is week four, the final uh, week of a series that we've been doing called, And Then the End Will Come. Everybody say, The End. Okay, and we took this uh, from Matthew 24, verse 14, and... Um, 
I, would I wanted you to flip there because if you haven't read Matthew 24, I pretty much read most of it in the first week of this series. If you have not read Matthew chapter 24, I would highly encourage you to read it. There's some really clear, pro there's a cl clear prophecy from Jesus about a couple things, about the destruction of Jerusalem, but also about the signs of what would be happening in the generation of the Lord's second coming, his return. And there's a lot of things in there. It's a pretty intense passage, but I would encourage you to look at it because there's a couple one-liners in there and in a couple other versions of it, like in Mark 13, where Jesus says, he says this little phrase, see, I told you beforehand. <laughs> okay, let me say that again. Jesus told us, he gave all this description of things that would be happening in the generation of his return. And he says, see, I told you beforehand. Like, he wants us to know that he told us ahead of time so that when these things begin to happen, we don't freak out. And we can trust that he's the Lord, he's the shepherd, he's the leader, he's sovereign, he's over all. Because a summary of Matthew 24 and the couple other chapters in the Gospels that are similar to this is massive worldwide shaking <laughs> is, what, is what will happen uh, as it gets closer and closer to the Lord's return. But in the midst of all that, we focused in, in this intense passage, we focused in on verse 14. That you can find it in uh, Matthew 24. It says, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. So what's going to happen before the end will come, according to that verse? The gospel is going to be proclaimed. Where? In all the world. By who? Great. Selah. Right. Just let that settle in. Okay, I've been saying that every week. This prophecy will happen. The gospel will spread throughout the whole world. Um, but by who? It's by the people of God. It's by believers in Jesus, followers of Jesus. We are the ones that are going to carry the gospel uh, throughout the world. All right? And so the whole premise of this series has been let's stay focused on the things that Jesus said either to do or that will happen instead of being scared or overwhelmed or distracted by all the shakings. He's just letting us know that's going to be happening, but we don't want to put our focus and attention on that. We want to stay focused on the mission that God's given us in the midst of all that, which is go and preach the gospel. All right? So week one, I gave you a little overview. And then week two, we had um, Austin Hoxie from Antioch, Tulsa come to town. I love when he comes to town. This is so great. And he, man, it was, it was so encouraging but also convicting. His whole premise was how good do we believe the gospel is? And if, it's, if we believe it's really good, we're going to share it. And he challenged us. What do we actually believe about God? What do we believe about what he says about us? And how good is the gospel? How would you guys answer that? How good is the gospel to you? Really good? Is it good news? Awesome. All right, give me a more convincing answer later, all right? And then last week, if you guys were here, we had a little uh, panel discussion up here that was so encouraging. Some uh, folks from our church that have been engaging in Matthew 24, 14, which is bringing the gospel to the nations of the earth. And we get to hear from different uh, folks and their experiences overseas in different contexts, different nations, and it was super encouraging. So go back and listen to that if you haven't already. Okay, and today, here we go. Here's how we're going to kind of bring it home. We're going to make this whole series applicable today. Okay, and during this service, it's going to be, I like to call it a little bit of like an activation service. Okay, so here's what I mean. You're going you're gonna to do some of the things, we are going to do some of the things that I'm talking about today. Like you actually, like during this next 30 minutes. All right, so we're going to do it. We're going to practice it. All right, I know, you know, churches come and sit and listen to somebody else in your cozy chair, but we're going to actually do the Bible. Got it? All right, we're going to do it. All right, some of you are like, oh no, I like cozy chairs. Anyway, so we're going to get... You know, we've been getting fired up about what God's doing 
in the nations. We're getting stirred in how good the gospel is, you know, all that stuff. But the reality is some of the mission trips that at least we have available, they're not for several months from now. And so what we want to do is how can we, we got to start somewhere. If we're going to live this out where we are engaging in bringing the gospel to the nations of the earth, we got to start somewhere. And where we start is right here, right now. And so that's what we're going to be talking about this morning is how do we live this out here and now? How do we bring the gospel in our city, in our neighborhoods, our workplaces, our schools, our campuses? And even more specifically, we're going to look at a phrase that Jesus said um, in how we do that, and that is making disciples. Everybody say making disciples. All right. Now, um, I'm going <laughs> to share this with you. There's a couple one-liners that Jesus says throughout the Gospels. He says a couple things about what we hear. And he says, hey, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. But he also says, take heed what you hear. Like, take seriously what you hear. Because when we hear messages from the Word of God, we are held accountable to what we do with them. James kind of follows it up in the book of James. And he says, we don't want to be just hearers of the Word, but what? Doers. Some of you have heard that verse before. Okay, and so as you're listening to this, if you, ha if you know you have no intention of doing anything with this, then you can leave while I pray because I don't want you to be held accountable for something we're not going to do anything with. I'm kind of serious, uh, but kind of joking. But my point, I think, will land, and I don't think anybody's going to get up, but take seriously what we hear the Lord say uh, because we want to be not just hearers of the word, but doers of the word. The, the verse goes on and says, if you hear the word but don't do anything with it, you deceive yourself. And so we don't want to deceive ourselves. I share this with you because I love you, okay? And, I'm holding my, and I want you to hold me accountable as well that we're actually walking out and doing something with the word of God. Amen? All right, so I'm going to pray. God, we are all in need this morning for your grace, for you to help us be not just hearers of your word, but also doers. And Lord, we thank you for all the things you said, Jesus. You're such an amazing teacher and an amazing Lord, and we submit our hearts and minds to you today. And Lord, help us just have one simple step of obedience after today's message. Just one thing that we can do to actually apply what we're hearing today. Lord, teach us in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, here's how I'm going to start. We are going to talk about pretty much making disciples today. But one thing that I want to focus on first is making sure we have the right mindset about even the people that we could potentially make disciples of. And, you know, Austin's message a couple weeks ago, he fired us up about, again, how good is the gospel and we'll bring it everywhere we go. And we talked last week about the mission field out there. But I want to talk about the mission field right here. And I want to talk about how we think about the mission field here in northwest Arkansas will affect our experience of what we see. What we think about the hearts of people in northwest Arkansas will make a difference in how effective we are in making disciples, okay? So it is, I just want, let me say it a different way. It is easy to get discouraged about where people's hearts are towards God with those around us. So let me give you a couple examples. So since living here in northwest Arkansas the last three years, I have gotten rejected multiple times when I talk to somebody about Jesus. Uh, people have stood me up. Uh, people have said, I'm going to come to church, and I'm going to come to life group, but they never show up. We've had people over for dinner, and they seem so fired up, but then we never saw them again. <laughs> and I've been mocked, accused, and criticized for standing for Jesus, and I've found plenty of people that have just literally told me they're not hungry for God. And so 
that's my experience, and some of you guys might have similar experiences with interactions with people you have. And what's easy to do is take those experiences and then create a pretty negative mindset or conclusion about what is true. Here's a couple examples. Man, people just don't want God here. Or, man, it's just too hard of soil and ground here. Or maybe it's just not the right time. Or here's a couple personal ones of, like, how we can put the, do this to ourselves. I must not be very good at sharing my faith and talking to people about Jesus. You know what? I don't even think I'm called to be an evangelist. I have more of a pastor's heart. So just give me the Christians, and I'll pastor them. All right, I love that one. Because all of us have some really wise and persuasive ideas in our mind that gets us to not share our faith. <laughs> you know, we got a lot of wise and persuasive things in our minds that convince us to not follow through with clear commands of Scripture. You know, and so what I want to do is, man, let's unravel those. By the grace of God, Lord, help us, you know, unravel some of those mindsets because they're easy to form. But we really need those to be unraveled if we want to engage in what God's doing around us. All right. So let's look at what did Jesus actually say about the harvest and let's learn to agree with what Jesus said about the mission field or what he calls the harvest. Let's agree with what he said. Here's two verses. Matthew 9 will be on the screen. Matthew 9, 36 to 38. He says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. All right, so what did Jesus say about the harvest in Matthew 9? It's what? All right, everybody say plentiful. It's plentiful. It's abundant. Okay, it's, there's a lot of harvest around. That's what he says about the harvest. And he gives a few directions about praying and being sent out as laborers. Then also on the screen, John 4, here's something else that Jesus said about the harvest or about the mission field. He says, do not say... There are yet four months, and then comes the harvest. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that the sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. That's John 4, 35 to 38. So in this passage what jesus says about the fields or about the harvest is that they are white or ripe they are ready and he goes on to say this beautiful thing about those who sow and those who reap any part that we get to play in the harvest is amazing some of us are going to sow a lot you might not see much reaping yet others of us you're going to reap but we should be so thankful for those that sowed it's this beautiful connection between those that sow and those that reap and what do we get to do together rejoice because God's faithful, and what he says is true about the harvest. So it is plentiful, it is white and ripe and ready, and then it's also good to remember, and there's, I'm going to reference this in Mark 4, you can write it down, Mark chapter 4, that whole chapter is so great, but he talks about the condition of certain people's hearts, and he gives this analogy or this um, parable of different types of soils. There's four different types, like the seed is the word of God, and it is sown on the path or on rocky ground, on thorny ground or on good ground or good soil. And so it's important to know that there are different types of people we're going to interact with in different types of soil, and it helps us pray for the good soil. Lord, help us find the good soil. Does that make sense? And so these truths, these realities of what Jesus said about the harvest and the mission field and about people's hearts, it gives us language and I, I guess I'll say fuel 
for our prayers, okay? And so what we're going to do is actually, here's step one of activation. We're going to spend just a couple minutes together right now praying for the harvest field or the mission field of Northwest Arkansas. All right, we're going to pray together. All right, so there's, once you put that slide, it has a couple prayer points. Okay, what we're going to do is thank God that the harvest is ripe, ready, and plentiful. And then we're going to ask God to send out an abundance of laborers into the harvest. And then we're going to pray that God would soften hearts and he would lead us to good ground or good soil. All right, does that make sense? Okay, so go ahead and stand on up to your feet, and I want you to get into a group of about three. Try, try to do three. Try to do three people, all right? Go ahead and get into a group of three people, and each of you guys take one of these prayer points. Go ahead, get in a group of three. Don't start praying just yet. Let me give you just a few more instructions. Get in a group of three. Okay, introduce yourself if you guys don't know each other, of course. Introduce yourself. Great. Okay. Okay, you guys ready? Here we go. So if you if praying out loud is uncomfortable for you, that's okay. Uh, church is a great place to learn how to pray. Uh, you can literally just read that one of those sentences and say amen. If that makes you feel comfortable, you can also just not pray out loud. Just, you know, get that little, like, silent squeeze of the hand, you know. Uh, it just says, I'll pass. You know, that's fine. But I, I would encourage you all to engage in praying. And, um, and so take turns. Decide who's praying first. And just each of you take one of those three prayer points. If you do have a group of four, then somebody else just pray something else again. Um, but we're praying for Northwest Arkansas. Ready? All right, go ahead. Decide who's praying first and go ahead and get started. Go for it, guys. Thank you, Jesus. Y'all can agree with me as we close it out here. Lord, we thank you so much for Northwest Arkansas. We declare that this field is ripe and ready. We thank you, God, that you said it, and we agree with you. This is a plentiful harvest. Lord, we ask you would send out laborers into Northwest Arkansas, those that are carrying the message of hope, the message of freedom, the message of the gospel, filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with love, filled with boldness. And, Lord, we ask you to soften hard hearts in Jesus' name. Those whose minds are blinded by the enemy, Lord, have mercy and open eyes in this region in Jesus name lead us to people that you're sovereignly preparing lead us to people with good soil and soft hearts put them in our path Lord we ask for you to move we ask for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit over this region like we've never seen before God bring in a great harvest in this land we know this is your will this is your heart you want to do it and so God we partner with you we ask you to do it in Jesus name everybody said amen all right give somebody next to you a high five say thanks for praying with me and y'all head back to your seats all right go ahead Okay, great job, guys. All right, that went, that went too bad, right? That went too bad. <laughs> Listen, every time we, we pray together, you guys leave like, oh, all right, all right. That was good, actually. Feel a little edified, a little stirred in my spirit. All right, yeah, that's what happens when we partner with God. <laughs> all right, so here's how we're going to uh, close out the rest of our time. I'm going to focus it in on the phrase making disciples. Everybody say that one more time. Say making disciples. Okay, so this is taken in, in the context of reaching people for the gospel, 
and going to the nations and the harvest. You know, there's, there's like big phrases like that. But the specific directive that we see Jesus saying that really is really helpful is this phrase, making disciples. And this is taken from Matthew 28, 18 through 20. It'll be on the screen. It says this. Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth. How much authority? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. This is Jesus talking. And therefore, so, so, he said, so then he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe, or some translations say obey, all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is what's commonly referred to as the Great Commission. Raise your hand if you've seen this before, you've heard this before. Okay, so commonly referred to as the Great Commission. Now, I'm going to kind of pick this apart a little bit and show you a couple things with it, but I want you to think of two things. Okay, put yourself in the shoes of the disciples when they're hearing Jesus say this, and think about the, the environment, think about the context, okay? But then also think about yourself right now sitting in your chair in 2022 is the, is the Lord also saying this to you? And if so, how can you apply this to your life? Because then we're going to kind of back half of uh, the back half of the ending of my message that I'm just starting is uh, we're going to be focusing on that. <laughs> All right, here we go. So there's four things and four action points from Matthew 28, 18 to 20 that I want you to see. They'll be on the screen. You can take a picture of this or write them down. But there's four actions. Okay. First one is go. The next one is make disciples. Third one is baptize. And the last one is teach to obey. I want you to see that there are clear action points that Jesus is giving his disciples at this point. Okay? So it's go, make disciples, baptize, and teach to obey. All right, let's talk about go for a little bit. That word is active. It implies motion, <laughs> moving, another way to say that. Okay, the opposite of going would be what? Staying or sitting. Okay? I always like to say it this way. Jesus didn't say um, sit and take. He said go and make. <laughs> he didn't say sit and take or even sit and wait. He said go and make. And so when it comes to the idea of disciples, um, if we are a disciple of Jesus, he gives us this command, and th there's going to be action to it. There's going to be initiation that we take in applying this verse to our life. Instead of just waiting and hoping that disciples come to us, we want to be those that, that go and initiate. Is this making sense? So we go and make instead of sit and take. All right, make disciples. I will break this down a little bit um, later, um, but I just want you to recognize that he, he said this, the word disciples, and that, I believe, was intentional. He didn't say go and make converts. He didn't say go and make friends. He didn't say go and make followers. He said go and make disciples. I think it's important for us in the context of applying the Great Commission to our life to know what did, what did he say to go and make. He said make disciples. I'll break that word down a little bit. Okay, baptize. Everybody say baptize. Okay, so this, this is obviously a clear follow-up is in the making of disciples. You want to baptize people. Baptism is just such a powerful command in Scripture, not just a symbol, but a command in Scripture to those that want to follow Jesus. Because what it is, is it is a, a moment in your life where you decide and you make a public declaration that when you go under that water, you're saying, I am leaving my old life behind. I am, in a sense, dying to my old way of living. And what Romans says is we're raised to what? newness of life it is a new life not just for me personally like okay great i'm new i feel better it's i'm new because i belong to jesus now i am his 
I am following him. He is the leader of my life. No longer am I the leader of your life. You know what you're killing? You're, you're killing the, the way to live where you're the leader of your life. That, that's what you're doing. I mean, yes, there's sin involved in that. There's flesh. There's old mindsets. But it, another way to say that is I'm not the leader anymore. God is. I'm yours. And baptism is powerful. If you um, have put your faith and trust in Jesus and have not been baptized, I'm going to highly encourage you to pray about that because it is a command in Scripture. Um, or if you're kind of new to this idea of Jesus and haven't really given your life to him or just have a lot of questions, I'm so glad you're here. Thank you so much for coming. This is a great place to be if you're still curious about Jesus but haven't started following him yet. Then we want to answer some of those questions, but part of following him is being baptized. And we'll talk a little bit more about discerning whether or not we are a disciple of Jesus or not. But baptism is part of it. And then the last part, teach to obey. Teach to obey. Uh, that Greek word, again, it's obey or observe. It means to, like, take, like, take careful attention to, pay careful attention to, to take heed to, to keep it carefully. And so in regards to this, it's important to even be aware of what is it saying that we are to obey, and that is the commands of Jesus. So it's very important to understand, okay, what did Jesus command? What were his teachings? Because we want to obey them, follow them, and teach to obey, again, and it implies that there is a follow-through. Um, in the way that we do church, for the most part in America, it is a lot of teaching, okay? But in a room this size of over 100 people, I can't, it's going to be, I mean, I'm, I'm doing it on purpose today. I'm activating you to do what we're talking about right now. But I can't follow up with all of you this week to see if you're actually putting into practice the things I'm talking about. Because what is happening is I'm teaching, okay? And then, in a sense, you're going to walk out of here and either do something or not do something with the things I'm presenting. But we, what we want to do is see what he said. He said, teach to obey. Like, there is implied follow-through, accountability, somebody helping us walk out the commands of Jesus. Is this making sense? You see a little bit of a difference there? And we want to be in an environment where we are challenged and encouraged to not just hear the teachings of Jesus, but learn to obey them. Following Jesus is not about gaining more information. In fact, that is the very thing that the Pharisees got wrong. They knew a lot, but they didn't actually walk with the Lord. They missed the Messiah when he came, in a sense, because they thought they knew so much. So following Jesus and being a disciple is not about just knowledge and information. It's about action and obedience and what he says to do. Amen? Uh, you're chewing on that one. I can tell. All right, so let me simplify this for us. Here are two things for us that I think we need to take away from looking at Matthew 28. One is we need to be a disciple. Everybody say, be a disciple. And then also this great commission applies to us, and therefore that means we need to make disciples. So be a disciple and make disciples. That's your two kind of takeaways practically for today. Let's talk about being a disciple. Okay, what is a disciple? You can just keep this up there for a while. What is a disciple? Okay, some other words you could use there is it's a student, a learner, an apprentice. So someone that follows a leader around and in a sense emulates the way that they live their life. It's to follow and obey the precepts and instructions of the teacher, or in this case, the rabbi or the master or the leader. Okay, there is a embracing of the lifestyle, the teachings, the mindsets, the values of the leader in living that out, learning to live that out. That's what a disciple is. 
And so let me go back to some basics, though this might not feel like basics, but what was the initial call of Jesus to every single one of his disciples, every single one of his followers? What was the invitation? Okay, follow me. Make you fishers of men, great. Okay, let me just add one thing to follow me. First, he says, surrender everything and follow me. That's his call. I love how we skipped the first part. <laughs> it's okay, guys, we're on this journey together. But he first, he says, surrender everything and follow me. Let me give an example. Luke 9, 23 through 26. He says to all, if anyone, ever say anyone. All right, this is not just for the radical. This is not just for the pastors. This is not just for the missionaries overseas. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. See that? A little bit before follow me. (laughs) For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Why don't you just keep that up there just for a little bit. Okay, let me, let me help you guys. Okay, so I am I'm American. All right, I grew up in the American church. Got saved at about 17. And um, Christianity in America is very popular or common. Okay, it's becoming less popular. Maybe I shouldn't use that word. It is common. It's easily accessible. There are big churches all over, even in Northwest Arkansas. Yes? And I think most of you grew up in this context. A few of you did not, I know. <clears throat> and so in a sense, when we read verses like this, what we see is radical, not normal. Because I, I don't know about you, but you, you're, I don't, in coming to follow Jesus, or however you started following him, a lot of you grew up in a Christian home, which is such a gift, such a blessing to have parents that love God and encourage you to go to church and learn to follow Jesus and read the Bible, even have a quiet time. That is amazing. But the majority of us probably didn't, didn't feel this, deny myself, take up a cross, and follow Jesus. The reason I'm saying it this way and telling you where I came from is because we're, we're all learning. I'm not trying to talk down to anybody, it's, but I just want us to all, let's look at Scripture. What is the call of a true disciple of Jesus? What is the call that Jesus gives everyone? He says, come and die. This is the only salvation altar call that you will ever see in Scripture. It is come and lay your life down and trust me with it. Let me be your leader. Lose your life, and then you'll find it. You tracking with me? It's not, okay, get comfortable, get easy, cool Christianity. Some pastors got jean jackets now. Okay, skinny jean. Okay, cool. We got cool glasses. They change shapes every six years. Anyways, or six months, actually. You know, circles or squares. I don't know. And then you just, you got necklaces or no necklace. I don't know. It's kind of cool to follow Jesus. Woo! It's just, it's okay. Now, whatever you wear is fine as long as you understand the heart. Surrender. Die. Not be cool and follow Jesus. It is die and then follow Jesus. It's resurrection. We love the power of the resurrection, but what does that imply? You died first, and then you have resurrection life. It is come and die. It is come and give me everything. And, you know, we soften the message of the gospel because we think it will help some people jump along, but we're kind of, in a sense, selling people short because we're not preaching the true gospel. No matter where you are at with God, it's fine. Like, if you're fully in sin and have not, you don't want anything to do with God, you love your sin, it, it, in a sense, it's okay to start there. 
but it's not okay to say that you follow Jesus and stay there, okay? And so we want to be those that surrender, ask God for grace, ask other people for help as we are on this journey of following Jesus. There is no true following of Jesus without repentance. I'm going to say that again. There's no true following of Jesus without repentance, where repentance means to turn or to change course, to change, yes, the way you're thinking, but literally it implies the, your whole life. It is, a, it is a switch of how you've been living. And it is a lot easier in our culture to add Jesus to our life than to actually surrender our life to him. And I'm just hammering this point because it's just important before we talk about going and making disciples, I just want to make sure we are disciples, okay? And I didn't say anything about what your life needs to perfectly look like. That's not what I'm saying. It's just here's the heart, heart posture is how we start. It is I'm yours, Lord, not my own anymore. We're going to start with surrender. It is coming to him, not to Adam, but he literally becomes your life. He is in charge. He is in the driver's seat. Here's great news. He's a good driver. <laughs> He knows where he's going, and we don't have to worry. He takes us to good places. I didn't say easy places. He takes us to good, fruitful places. And at the end of this service, if you're thinking about some of the things I'm saying and you realize I've never, like, repented. I kind of add Jesus to my life because I, I see that there's some benefits in knowing God, but you've never said, oh, wow, I am leaving my old way behind, and I want to start following the Lord, then you'll have a chance to do that at the end of the service. And we all, in a sense had that moment or at least hopefully have had an experience like that but if you haven't then I want to encourage you to come forward be bold and just this is between you and the Lord but we want to pray for you encourage you and just say all right all right I am I am dead to my old life and I am going to start following the Lord you'll have an opportunity to become a disciple of Jesus at the end of this service okay now not only do we want to be a disciple we want to also make disciples let's talk about making disciples you guys good you with me still Okay, let's define discipleship for a little bit. There'll be a slide that gives you a little definition that I kind of use. Discipleship is one person helping others follow and obey Jesus and make other disciples. I'm going to say it one more time. One person helping others follow and obey Jesus and make other disciples. So it's me with a few others, and what am, I, what am I trying to do and encourage them? I'm trying to help them follow and obey Jesus, and I'm trying to help these two, three, four, how many I'm trying to also help them make other disciples, okay? From the very beginning, if you want to be a part of discipleship, it includes helping others make disciples, all right? Now, here's what's encouraging news. If you're a follower of Jesus, whether it's been 20 years or 20 minutes, you can make disciples. Isn't that great news? You don't have to know it all. This is the content of making disciples is not your own personal wisdom or life experience. The content, the source of making disciples is what? Wait. Uh, the commands of Jesus, according to Matthew 28, 18 to 20, he says, teach them to obey all of my commands. It's the commands of Jesus. It's the word of God. Like, this is our, our anchor, our source. And so it's like, it's not just, hey, come, let me teach you everything I've learned about following Jesus. It's, hey, let's come and let's open this up together. And let's learn to let's learn to do it. That's that's a little bit more accurate of what discipleship is. And then also remember the amazing book ended promises of Matthew twenty eight. He says, Jesus says, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, and I'm with you always. So in the context of going and making disciples, we are walking in the authority of Christ. It's so encouraging to me. 
because it's not I'm not walking on my own authority, my own wisdom, my own cool thing. It's the authority of Christ is backing what I'm doing, and as I'm going, He is with me, by my side, guiding me, leading me, whispering to me, encouraging me. It's so encouraging. Let's talk practically. What does it look like for us in our church? Here's a couple slides. I'm going to kind of break this down in a way that hopefully is practical for how this can look within our church. Okay, so there is um, discipleship within the church, and then. The other one is, you can go ahead and put up number six, too. I don't know if they're on the same page. Uh, there we go. Uh, and outside the church, okay? So discipleship within the church, we want to, in a sense, make disciples of one another. Practically, it's on the screen. Life group leaders help organize groups of three or four to connect regularly. The main primary purpose of that is for sharpening, accountability, care, and coaching others. DSHIP, anybody know what that stands for? Discipleship. All right, you got it. So you're like, you're also helping coach in how do you make disciples? Okay, and then what to do. There's this phrase that if you are in a discipleship group, you might be familiar with this. It's this phrase, up, in, out. It's just a simple framework for kind of what do we focus our conversation on, what kind of questions do we ask. Up is all about how's your relationship with God going? How's time with him going? What are you reading in scripture recently? How is God speaking to you? And are you following through with the things that he's saying to you? That's, you're asking people in a group, how is your relationship with God going? And those types of questions. In is, hey, what's going on inside of you? Primarily, here's the, here's the first one. Let's start with the hard one. Any sin do you, do you need, is there any sin you need to confess? We want to we learn how to break down our walls and be open and trusting of others around to say, I need, like, when you need help, to say, I need help. I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling with that. And hopefully what you will find in this community is people that care for you, love you, are not going to judge you, but are going to come alongside you to help you grow and help you change. Other things that are in that category, not just sin, but is there anything you're processing through, big decisions you need to make, things that have been hurtful or painful, let's talk about that and let's minister to each other. And then out is who you're reaching out to. Is there anybody on your mind, in your workplace, in your classes, Anybody that you're trying to share your faith with, anybody that you're praying for, you're asking those types of questions when we're talking about discipleship within the church. Tracking? All right. Outside the church. So listen, here's the deal. This call of making disciples must go outside of these walls. It is a good start to start with them. I would love for every single one of you, I know some of you are new, that's fine. Even some of you are from out of town, that's also fine. I would love for you to have a group of two, three, four people that you connect with regularly. And listen, there's, there's different frequencies. If you're in college... I always encourage weekly for college. If you're like a young professional, maybe it's like every other week. If you're a family, if you can meet like once a year, I'm just kidding, once, <laughs> once a month, it's like, let's try for that. A little bit harder when you got kids waking up at 5 a.m. And anyways. But, you know, so there's different frequencies that work in different stages of life, uh, but we do want to be consistent there. So I'd love for everybody to have a group like that. If you want one of these, then talk to your life group leader. If you're not in a life group, go to a life group and then talk to the life group leader about one of these groups. Okay, outside the church, now some of you, you're really going to come alive with this, and I just, because this applies to everybody, uh, and you know what, this is the game changer, when, when following Jesus, like, becomes more personal in regards to your active involvement in following Jesus and helping other people follow Jesus. It is easy, because of the way we have things set up, that it's like, come on, come to this building, come hear this guy preach. He's the one that will share the gospel. They're the ones that will lead in worship on stage. But it's like, this is the game changer to empower the entire church to be the church. 
Ephesians 4 says, my job as a leader in the church is to equip the saints, the people of God, to do the work of ministry. Okay? And so this is, this is going to be a game changer here if we take this seriously. So making disciples outside the church means being intentional to meet with, talk to, coworkers, classmates, neighbors, the list goes on. The primary purpose of that is for evangelism, which is another way to say sharing your faith, um, helping people learn to follow Jesus, and introduce people in your workplaces that are unchurched to church, healthy church community, life group, LGS life group, or uh, bring them to church. Okay, and then what do you do in that time? The one that's not on there is, I think, important. It's get to know them, spend time hearing their story, share the gospel. <laughs> Sorry, some of y'all saw that. There's a fly following me around. I rebuke you in Jesus' name. Go away. All right. <laughs> okay, so what was I saying? I don't know. Last one. All right, what to do? You get to know them, hear their story. You know, uh, you're not just trying to like, oh, I'm trying to check off, make a disciple. No, you're trying to actually care for people, love them, hear their story. But a couple other things is you want to share the gospel with them. You can read scripture with people. You can talk through, you know, their questions they have about God with them. But that's what it would look like to do discipleship outside the church. And, you know, God will do wonders with this. And um, there are people in your workplace right now or in your classes or in your neighborhoods that desperately need any ounce of hope. Even if you're not feeling like you're bubbling with hope, you have more hope than someone who's lost. <laughs> you know, and so we have peace, more peace than someone who's totally apart from God. And we have truth that's anchoring us in in the midst of shaking going around the world. And there are people that desperately need this. Even if they look like everything's fine, there are people that need the love of God and need the gospel. Okay? And so here's how we're going to close. It's going to, again, be very practical. Um, I want you to either pull out your phone and go to your notes app, or if you have a journal out already, you can keep your journal out. But we're going to close out. We're going to put some music on. And I want everybody to do this, please. It would be awesome. I want you to think of, there's a slide that has kind of this prompt here. And I want you to think of two or three names of people that are in your quote-unquote sphere of influence. Okay, that's a fancy way for saying just where, where are you and where do you have relationships that I don't, or that maybe the person sitting next to you doesn't, okay? So a lot of you, it's going to be your workplace. A lot of you, it's going to be your school or your classes. It could be your neighborhood. That's why I've been saying that over and over again. Or it could be like a common, like, coffee shop or gym or something that you go to regularly where you see some people. I want you to think of two or three names of people that are in that category that don't wholeheartedly pursue Jesus or don't have discipleship in their life. If they are in that, that sphere of yours and they're, like, already committed to another local church, okay, and they're serving and they're a leader, in, uh, in, if they're a pastor for sure, like, don't write their names down, okay? They're, they're probably got some discipleship going on, all right? But someone, they could be going to church or, in a sense, church, but they don't really, they're not really actively growing in their faith, okay? So, and then write their names down, and then what you'll do after you write them down, just in your own heart, you can do it out loud if you want. Uh, but I want you to spend a little bit of time praying for those people by name, asking for a couple of those things, for soft hearts, for God to put in them a desire to know him, and for yourself to have opportunities to share Jesus with them. Okay? So go ahead and put the song on, um, and you guys go ahead and take a minute to do this, and then I will wrap it up from there. Thank you, Lord. Lord, thank you that you hear us as we are just whispering prayers to you for these people. 
And Lord, we thank you. You made them. You created them. You want these people to know you so deeply. And we ask that you would touch their hearts, Lord, and give them desire to know you. And give us, Lord, opportunities to talk to them about you. We ask you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, guys. Well, um, intentionally, um, that message and the feel of the message is hopefully practical because I really I want you to not just like, yeah, get so stirred and jump around. I want you to just, like, I want us to do it. <laughs> and so you wrote some names down, hopefully. And so here's your kind of takeaway for this week. Here's your homework. <laughs> yeah, at church, I'm giving you homework. Uh, is pray for those people. You know, if it's just five, I mean, literally, if it's five-second prayers, that is fine. But just pray for God to open the hearts of those people. And that last thing is praying for opportunities to share. If you have an opportunity this week to have lunch with them, have coffee with one of those people, talk to them about Jesus, offer to pray for them, then, hey, I know it takes courage, but, but do it by the grace of God in faith. And let's talk with people about the Lord. This is part of us being activated and following through with the commands of Jesus to go make disciples. All right? There you go. Okay, to close up, if you are, uh, again, brand new here at Antioch and you want to find out more, stop by the Next Steps area. And then also, if you are, let me get like four or five of our life group leaders to kind of come over here. If what I was saying about being a genuine follower of Jesus, starting with surrendering to him, repentance, and giving your life to him, if that was convicting you, like, I don't think I've ever done that, then go talk to one of our life group leaders over here. They would love to get to know you and pray for you and encourage you and tell you some next steps about how to start following the Lord. All right? Okay, we're officially done. You can cue some more music on back there. But thanks for coming to church, guys. Have a great Sunday and a great rest of your week.